0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your hosts. We're from the Draft Network. Chris Schubert's here, but uh, not feeling his best, so you might not hear from him today on the podcast, but we are brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online, the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. Don't forget, Major League Baseball is back as well. So you can bet on that. It's your continued number one source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the different ways that you can wager on sports. So we got a deal for you. Use our promo code believe that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Kyle, happy
1: Thursday to you. Happy Thursday to you as well. We are one week away, which means, naturally, we're to talk about some quarterbacks here on the show. And the objective today, if I'm understanding it correctly, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, is we want to find the ideal pairing to play matchmaker between the top quarterback prospects in this year's class and potential NFL franchises who could be selecting them.
0: You nailed it. That is absolutely the plan. Time to figure out where these guys need to go to maximize their potential in the NFL.
1: You want to jump right in? Okay, let's go.
0: So let's get this conversation started with Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. And Kyle, for me... Matt Corral, I'll be honest with you, is one of the evaluations that I really struggled with this cycle. And to me, quarterback evaluations are always fun. And I I feel like a lot of times it's easy to extrapolate the traits and really have an understanding of what you're getting in the package. But for me, Matt Corral was really, really difficult. And I think part of that stems from the offense that he ran at Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin, uh, tempo, spread, um, just not a lot of translatable stuff to what he's going to be asked to do in the NFL. And then you see he's a bit small. He's got an okay arm. He's not necessarily a great athlete. He's a sufficient athlete. And so the package here makes it really, really challenging to me in terms of my overall evaluation and, and me really thinking of him as a guy that I believe in, as a guy that can come in and be a franchise quarterback at the next level. And so uh, this is going to be fun to kind of sort through him and talk about what he is as a player and figure out if we can find some common ground on what destinations he could go to that would allow him to maximize his ability to be, uh, you know, the best version of himself in the NFL.
1: You know how there used to be this long standing narrative about like college quarterbacks playing in college systems and not being quote unquote pro ready. And then it kind of became a trope because the NFL started you know, the rules changed and they really started embracing some of the spacing stuff that you see in college. I feel like Matt Corral is the embodiment of the new college quarterback that you question the translation to the next level. And here's what, here's why I hate that for Matt Corral. We had a chance to talk to Matt in Los Angeles and from an intangibles perspective, from a leadership perspective, from a lead by example on the field between the lines perspective, Matt, how or are, Matt Corral's got it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I I walked away from the conversation that I had with Matt, and it's like, man, like, he's got the right perspective between the ears from an intangible standpoint to make this work and be a really good player at the next level. But then you do turn on the offense, and you see how much of it is tempo-oriented and how much of it is, quite frankly, uh, the same general concept and rpo that, that he's charged with throwing again and again and again. And you, you look at the distribution of his targets throughout the course of uh, this season and it's fairly one dimensional and, you know, kudos to Ole Miss for having the, the campaign in the season that they did and kudos to Mac Corral for being the trigger man in that offense as as efficiently as he was. But I don't think you can look at very many landing spots in the NFL that is going to provide him with the same kind of environment that he had at Ole Miss.
0: That's a that's a really good way to put it. I don't think there is a landing spot that is going no. to provide him the same type of environment. And so makes it a little bit complicated. And, and with that in mind, as we transition now to kind of forecasting him to different teams, I'm anxious to see where we land. And, and one one team honestly stands out to me. Just to touch above the rest. And,
1: okay. I'll be interested in, in who this is.
0: All right. I think it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not predicting he goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but when I think about Mac Canada as the offensive coordinator and not just what the offense looked like with Ben Roethlisberger, but thinking about some of his stops in college, I feel like with a lot of those scheme throws, get the ball out quick, allow that to set up some shot throws down the field in an offensive infrastructure where we know they want to run the football, right? They've, they've invested a first-round draft pick in Najee Harris. They've made some uh, improvements to the offensive line. We know that that's going to be the bread and butter of their football team and that entire division, right? It's a, it's a division that we look at, the AFC North. Okay, these guys want to run the football. And so I think how Matt Corral can step in to a team that wants to run the football, that has a lot of manufactured throws, that has some shot throws down the field, and, you know, look, I, I like a, a lot about Pittsburgh because, like we've said, this team got to the playoffs last year with very, very, very poor quarterback play. And I know that they have Mitchell Trubisky in place right now, which is great because that takes the pressure off of Matt Corral to have to come in and start right away. He can kind of bridge the gap or you can, you know, see how things unfold. Maybe you like Mitch and it sets up different opportunities. But from a structure From a team perspective, a scheme perspective, what's already in place, to me, the team that stands out in a challenging conversation is the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Uh, So the team that I have has some parallels to what you discussed with Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's going to be an easy team to point to for any of these young quarterbacks, right? Because the the franchise and organizational stability that exists within Pittsburgh is effectively unparalleled across the NFL, right? Correct. Yeah. So I'm thinking about Matt Corral and his physical skill set, right? Because the the question is not just, oh, "Okay, like how long is it going to take him to acclimate to a new NFL offense?" but it's also like the physical skill set. I would say he's generally like above average at everything, but I don't think he has like a trump card high-level physical trait. Would you as, uh, agree with that general assessment of Corral's physical profile as a quarterback?
0: Yeah, absolutely I would.
1: How about Minnesota? Yeah, very good. I mean, you you think about what Kirk Cousins has become coming out of Michigan State and being a mid-round pick for Washington and not having the pressure to be a starter early in his career with RG3 and then obviously transitioning into taking over that role and how he's evolved as a quarterback and, and had time to marinate and then gets the big money contract with Minnesota. and. It's a team that, like Pittsburgh, wants to run the ball, has an established infrastructure to run the football. Uh, you you think about what they have from a skill players' perspective to make life easy on a young quarterback that is very used to binary reads. Right? It, it's with the RPO you're you're isolating a single defender. Well, that, as we we have seen with the transition of Tua Tagovailoa from the Alabama offense to the Miami Dolphins offense that creates some hardship and and that changes the way you have to anticipate when you throw the football if you don't get free access at the snap. So I think about Minnesota with Justin Jefferson and yes, Adam Thielen is getting older, but is still one of the better route runners in all of football and really reliable hands and Dalvin Cook and the running game to lean on and uh, like Pittsburgh, you've got a quarterback in place, but even more so is entrenched as a starter. So you know, and I understand they took a mid-round pick in Kellen Mond, so he's going to be in that room. But Different I like that, by Raul. the way. Yeah, right. That's a good point, you know, because they they cleaned house this year. Yes, so they could very easily look at Kellen Mond, who it sounds like was um, not a favorite of the former head coach, Mike Zimmer, and <laughs> right. is, we'll put yeah. that mildly, right? But um, right. if if their assessment of Kellen Mond mirrors that of the head coach of the football team who actually drafted him, they may say, yeah, we we might not feel comfortable hitching our wagon to this being the long-term backup and developmental starter to eventually take over behind uh, Kirk Cousins, so, so maybe Matt Corral can be that player. I like that fit. A lot. And that's not necessarily a a pairing that we've heard a lot of, obviously because Minnesota did double down on a contract extension for Kirk Cousins. But um, I like the fit for Corral in Minnesota.
0: I do too. And I think it's interesting to maybe talk a little bit more about Minnesota as a team that could draft a quarterback. Now with the 12th pick in the draft, that would surprise me quite a bit, but you yes. get to 46 where they're picking in the second round. Yes. I think it's absolutely a worthwhile thing to consider, especially when you consider this year for Minnesota. Anytime it's year one of a new GM and a new head coach, the, the expectations are kind of tapered a little bit. You're not, you're not expecting them to come out and, and you know light everything on fire. There's still a honeymoon phase. And so – I think it could be a good opportunity for them to take a swing on a guy, right? If they like Matt Corral, if they feel like they have the right infrastructure, which I think you outlined a, a good reason why they could, and and realize that if Matt Corral gets to the second round, this could be a nice target for them to consider.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, they, they were reportedly, again, different regime, but they were reportedly interested in drafting Justin Fields last year before Chicago moved up. And got in front of them to make that pick. So uh, I think everybody kind of knows like Kirk Cousins is getting close to the end of the line as far as you know, in Minnesota with the financial implications that have been in place. So this might be the right time to start kicking the tires on some long-term options.
2: Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com belief. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com belief. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens take ownership of your health.
1: But Joe, let's let's start entertaining some other options for this thought exercise. Let's talk about a different quarterback and want to hear your thoughts on Sam Howell, quarterback from North Carolina. Who, um, I can't think of a player who you could possibly be more familiar with between where he played his high school ball. (laughs) And then going to North Carolina when you're in Charlotte and then you being the regional scout for the ACC with TDN, like you've got a front row seat for probably the last, what, four or five years if you include high school when he was a big time recruit. So uh, you know him really well. I would love to hear your thoughts on Sam and where he makes the most sense.
0: The Pride of Indian Trail, North Carolina, where I lived for like twenty five years, Sun Valley High School, I didn't go there, but my two brothers and my sister they all went there and I lived right down the street from Sun Valley High School for a long time so yes yeah, Sam Howell definitely a player that I've been plugged into for a very, very long time and um I guess I don't know why it's in my mind, but him choosing to not go to Florida State and go to North Carolina instead turned out to be a pretty good idea for him because you know he came in and, and really had a lot of production at North Carolina. And, you know, we we spent a lot of time in the previous segment talking about Matt Corral and, and the challenges that that offense presents in forecasting him to the NFL. And, and so does Phil Longos um, at North Carolina. Static alignments, binary reads, RPO tags all the time. You don't see a ton of progression style stuff. So Sam's got an acclamation ahead of him. But He has some likable accuracy. He's got likable arm talent. And, you know, you can't talk about Sam Howell without mentioning just how he blossomed as a runner this past year and showed uh, a lot of toughness in in a really new situation with a completely new supporting cast. And he put it on his shoulders to run the football quite a bit. Um, Almost 100 more rushing attempts in 2021 than he did in 2020. And he was physical, man. He was breaking tackles and, and pounding it into the end zone. And you could just... See him with a lot of of will and desire as a runner, and so I think that was a nice little wrinkle to add to his game. So um, the challenges, though, like I said, the offense, the footwork, adjusting to a completely different style of, of football, right at, at the NFL level that that's what makes it very very challenging for me with Sam Howell. And so starting to to consider the the landing spots that I think can can be in play for him to maximize his opportunity at the next level. I think a lot about the Detroit Lions and they pick 32 and um, I don't know if Sam will be in play or not, but just from a, a mindset perspective where I think they're pretty okay with another year of golf and not having to force in a new quarterback, but having something interesting that could present an upgrade. And I think you have more mobility in Sam Howell and you have a guy that the toughness that I talked about that he, that he showed at North Carolina, I think that's something that Dan Campbell and, and that offense and that coaching staff is going to prioritize and really like. And you think about some of the the deep ball threats that they have now in, in DJ Chark and, you know, tough receivers like an Amon Ross St. Brown and, and a Josh Reynolds who's a really good ball skills guy. TJ Hawkinson's a really nice tight end. And, and you have the types of weapons that I can see Sam Howell having some success with. So I don't know that it's a slam dunk because – I think forecasting Howell to the next level is challenging, but Detroit at least gives me some level of intrigue to project him there.
1: Okay, so you you talked a lot about the supporting cast, right? hmm And when we saw Sam Howell at his best, his supporting cast featured two NFL receivers on the outside and two NFL running backs in the backfield. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. So what if we took him to a place where you had two top 20 wide receivers in the game of football, and you had a really, really deep running back room for a team that was really dedicated to wanting to run the football? Any idea where I'm talking about?
0: (laughs) No. I was thinking about Dallas, but that's clearly not what you're
1: thinking. How about the Seattle Seahawks? Okay. Yes. Very good. You think of you, what, what is Sam Howell's best throw? The the deep ball. What is DJ DK Metcalf's best routes? Vertical. There you go. This is a team that clearly is established to wanting to run the football. They're used to a mobile frenetic quarterback in the pocket who might not always play with timing, <laughs> right? <That's> what, <laughs> right? It, it was Russ magic, right? And it's not always right? magic with Sam Howell, but it, at times at the college level has been magic. So you, you're going to get a style of play at the quarterback position. You're going to have the same blind spots as far as areas of the field that you might not consistently see the stuff over the middle and the intermediate areas. But you got a big body on the outside that can run vertically. you got a guy underneath and, uh, and Tyler Lockett who can also run deep routes, but can create with the ball in his hands. They refuse to let Russ Wilson cook. I don't think you got to worry about putting too much on Sam Howell's plate, potentially as a quarterback. I think he's the right style of quarterback to help the transition for Seattle away from Russell Wilson.
0: I think that's a a really fair way to put it. And, you know, I don't know that he makes sense for them in the top 10, but they pick 40 and they pick 41. Those are reasonable spots if you wanted to take a swing at Sam Howell. And you're not like overly committing to him either, right? A second-round pick is very different than a first-round pick. And so I liked how that shifts the expectations for a quarterback as well. And I think that's a good spot for Sam. So I I like that. I think we had two reasonable options there in in Detroit and Seattle. Ready to move on to uh, our next guy here?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: I felt like I set the last table. Why don't you set oh, the table uh, for us? Um, you want
1: me to take Desmond Ritter here? Yeah, yeah set the okay, table, so man. Desmond Ritter is a prototypical build quarterback, maybe a little lean, but he's a plus athlete at the position. He's a highly accomplished starter. He's somebody who, from a professionalism standpoint and and from a... Uh, how I approach the game standpoint, you have very little to no questions about his readiness for the NFL. And with that in mind, I'm thinking of a team that would be able to onboard and acclimate him and take advantage of how ready he is mentally and from a preparation standpoint for the NFL. And I have two teams, one of which we've already discussed, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that's a really interesting fit where uh, Pittsburgh Mitchell Trubisky and his athleticism is a vast departure from what Ben Roethlisberger has been for a really long time, right? So I think you can get some of the same stuff that you might be putting onto your plate that you haven't had in the past with Ben Roethlisberger that you're getting with Mitchell Trubisky. You could also be getting with Desmond Ritter. And I think from a draft selection standpoint, They're at 20 is probably a a sweet spot for predictively where Desmond Ritter is going to hear his name called, somewhere in that range, the middle of the first round. The other one is a team who might not be needing a quarterback, um, but might be considering transitioning quarterbacks in the not-too-distant future, and that's the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, one of the popular comps for Desmond Ritter is Ryan Tannehill. And I certainly think from an athleticism standpoint, an ability to run standpoint, get outside the pocket standpoint, arm strength standpoint, stature standpoint, uh, you can see all of that. And I think the best version of Desmond Ritter we got was this year in which Jerome Ford was a highly accentuated piece of the offense. Well, think about Derrick Henry and and Tennessee. So those are the two spots for me. We've already gone, obviously, a little in-depth on Pittsburgh, but Tennessee is a team who – uh, might not need a quarterback, but might want to entertain a quarterback based on how their season ended, and kind of the hardships in the wall that they've hit in the postseason, where they've had games that were for the taking and they they just couldn't finish the job.
0: Love the idea of Tennessee, Kyle. Um, like you said, my my comp for for Ritter is Tannehill, and. Maybe that's exactly why they shouldn't pick him, <laughs> but but to, to me, at a minimum with Ritter, I think you reset the money and you get cheaper at quarterback. I and mean, That allows Tennessee right. to build up the roster in other places and feel like, all right, if Ritter can come in and beat Tannehill, but we have a better team around him, maybe that's what our answer is so we don't stall out in the playoffs like they have for the last three years. And I think we can agree that a lot of that came back to just not having that type of quarterback play that can – really elevate things. Elevate, so yeah. I, I, I love I love Tennessee. I think that would make a lot of sense for them. And, you know, they can end their debates about whether or not they have the linebackers or the O line or the wide receiver that it feels like we've talked a lot about with Tennessee. Just get the quarterback and how then much we are can they focus paying, on...
1: how much do they pay in Tannehill? A lot. Like on average, it's like thirty five ish. They paid them. No. Um imagine getting an extra thirty million dollars a year back to spend right. elsewhere like you said yeah
0: you can do many things with that if I was to introduce another team here and my challenge with this team is I don't think they're ready for a quarterback but the Atlanta Falcons at, at, you know I don't know mm. if number eight makes sense for Desmond Ritter but yeah, you think about Arthur Smith right and and that's that same Tennessee Titans type deal where conceptually a lot of the things that you saw Ryan Tannehill have his best seasons in the NFL with with Arthur Smith, you can believe a lot of that can be replicated with Atlanta. Now, do they have the receivers or the the backfield or the or anything? Do they have anything in place besides a tight end and maybe a couple of offensive linemen and nothing on defense? Like I have great concern that if the Atlanta Falcons were to pick a quarterback, that it's just there's no way that they could get this any. To pick the roster, yeah, they can't get the roster right for it to matter, right? So like, just don't do it. It's going to take time there, but. Uh, For all the same reasons that we talked about the Tennessee Titans making sense for Ritter, I think you can copy-paste a lot of what Atlanta wants to be and think that it could be a good spot for Ritter. But (laughs) the challenging component there is obviously I just don't feel like Atlanta's ready for a quarterback. And that stinks for Marcus Mariota because this is his, his last chance probably to prove himself at the next level, and he has nothing, and I mean nothing to work with. So let's now bring up Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty, our number one quarterback in this draft. And a player that I feel like I've repeatedly said, this is the guy that I think gives you a chance to have a difference maker at the position because he has so much exciting physical skill in terms of arm talent, mobility. He's a great leader. And now it's just about him going to the right place for him to develop as an NFL quarterback and, and reach that high ceiling that I think he has. So Kyle, as we get into this conversation with Malik Willis and in landing spots and places where he can be the best version of himself, is there anything that stands out to you?
1: This is where I really like Pittsburgh, personally. Um, I know we've talked about Pittsburgh for a couple of the other quarterbacks, but as we went over when we did the mock draft, um, the what would we do mock drafts and Malik ended up going 20 to me in that thought exercise earlier this past week, all of the stability and structure and no stress to play, and I think that's really important for Malik with well, him coming from an offense that that really put a lot on his shoulders, but you know developed some some habits that were high risk. Um, out of necessity to try and create explosive plays with the talent that was around him. Um, but I, I would just absolutely positively be over the moon with him having so many high-level skill players around him to work with and, and his mobility complementing an offensive line that is in transition. And you've obviously seen some some dynamic quarterback play come into that division as of late. And Pittsburgh's kind of been more of the traditional build. and leaning on Najee Harris to run the football and, and what they can do with some, some zone read and shotgun runs, and Najee's a bigger back, but I think he's he's more than capable of playing out of the gun and carrying the ball out of the gun. I like that fit quite a bit. That's probably my favorite one.
0: Now with Malik, because I don't feel like he has limitations, it really opens things up in ways that these conversations haven't for other quarterbacks where i can see him functioning in any scheme and you know wherever he goes the entire playbook is going to be available because he has the arm talent to access the entire field plus his ability to run the football and what layers to the offense that unlocks as well so that that's what's exciting about Malik Willis and to me that allows me to focus a little bit more on teams that need a quarterback and kind of have a, a nice environment for him to step into and have a chance. And and I guess the team that comes to mind for me is the Seattle Seahawks at number nine, mm-hmm. where, I mean, are they really just going to roll with Drew Locke and Geno Smith as their quarterbacks? Maybe, but I feel like Malik Willis would be such a nice upgrade to that track. Um, and, you know, Seattle's probably a team that, views itself as somebody who's not frequently going to be picking early in the draft in order to make a selection like this. I mean, the only reason that they have this pick is is because of trade, right? Like they, they traded away Russell Wilson. That's why they're picking nine. They haven't typically picked this high in the draft and um, they probably don't want to be. And so I can see them taking advantage of this opportunity to get themselves a quarterback and I wouldn't say that Russ and Malik Willis have like a, a lot of similarities in, in terms of their their playing style. And what I like about the idea of Malik going to Seattle is because I do think he presents a different type of skill set where they can evolve their operation. Where you know, I, I I feel like there's been a bit of an identity crisis with the style of offense that they want to play and it's run the football or let Russ cook or, you know, what the right combination is there where I think Malik gives them a different player now that they can build around and really kind of find an identity and stick with something and figure out what they want to be on offense. And like we've talked about, Malik Willis doesn't have any limitations. So that really opens up a lot of possibilities.
1: Yeah. It's what's interesting through all of the quarterbacks, Joe, we have discussed in this conversation is, We're obviously down to to one undiscussed quarterback as of this point in time. So we generally know the the best spot. And I think what's interesting, and not necessarily a surprise, is nobody has mentioned perhaps the most quarterback-hungry team (laughs) that remains, right? I think we can, can agree that that team is picking six. And they're a team that we've had plenty of discussions about.
2: We don't have enough time well, on the rest of the show, boys. Be careful here.
1: No, we we don't. Uh, and as
0: we transition here to, to talking about Kenny Pickett and quarterback out of Pitt. Is, is that the team
1: you're going to invoke here?
0: <sighs> I have so many challenges with that conversation because there's a big part of me that just doesn't feel like Carolina is going to be the right spot for a quarterback to go in and for a head coach like Matt rule and an offensive quarter coordinator like Ben McAdoo for me to think that this is going to be just a great spot for them to go and develop because I, I don't know realistically what can be done this year for Matt rule to be back. And so now you're looking at a situation where you're going to have to rebuild and, and, figure out a new identity on offense and scheme. Now I'll be honest with you. I like a lot of what Carolina has going for them. That's why I thought it was
1: such an interesting conversation because from a personnel perspective, you, you've talked at length about, they have plenty of pieces.
0: They just don't have a left tackle and a quarterback or, or a coach that I believe in. And that, that complicates things quite a bit. And so, you know Kenny Pickett, quarterback Pitt. Uh, the 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 ties are really easy to to spot. You have an owner in Dave Tepper who is a Pittsburgh native, grew up in in Pittsburgh, went to Pittsburgh, saw Kenny Pickett do what he did. I, I've said this before. I think Kenny Pickett arguably had the greatest season an ACC quarterbacks ever had. So you could see Dave Tepper wanting that to come to Carolina. Meanwhile, Dave uh, Matt Rule, the head coach recruited him at temple and you know like there's a lot of ties there and they spent a lot of time getting familiar with Kenny Pickett so there's a lot of very easy ways to say that this is the the spot for him but I, I get nervous about them having to kind of change a lot after the season and what that can mean for the trajectory for Kenny Pickett and maybe that's the best thing for him but um Carolina as the potential landing spot here complicates things in my mind.
1: So if you had to think of the ideal landing spot for Kenny Pickett, I have a question for you. Sure. Is it the New Orleans Saints? Yes. Absolutely. All right, let's let's talk about it. I love great minds think alike. Let's talk about it. Go ahead.
0: Well, in in obviously Drew not well, of course Drew Brees isn't there, but Sean Payton's not there either. But Pete Carmichael is still there. And Pete Carmichael has been with Sean Payton every step of the way during their time with the Saints. And I think a lot of that our offensive architecture that we get excited about for Kenny Pickett stepping into is still going to be in place. Now the question is, how committed are they to Jameis Winston? You know, do they need to kind of give him a chance? There's a case to be made there as well, but I think a team, a dome team, right, that we got to talk about the hand size with Kenny Pickett and wet footballs and cold weather, well, you're in the NFC South and you're going to play half your games a year in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome there in New Orleans, so that's going to give you a great opportunity to be able to grip the football the best you can in ideal situations, and you're talking about you know, Atlanta plays in a dome and Carolina and Tampa Bay and the teams in the division, you're not really going to have to deal with challenging weather in either one of those spots as, as well. So I, I can really get behind that. But yeah, I think that offensive architecture that that helped Drew Brees play the way that he did, I think is really good for for Pickett, who's a, a good progression style player with decent accuracy and he's got good size and mobility. And so I think he can really step in and, and have a good chance there. It just depends on how committed they are to Jameis.
1: He gives you just enough of a flavor of the athlete at the quarterback position that it seemed like they were really hoping they were going to get with Taysom, right? Like he's not Taysom's size. Right. They're not going to run all the QB run components. But Drew wasn't a mobile quarterback. Jameis isn't a mobile quarterback. And they like, they like they so desperately wanted to get something of substance out of that to have that extra layer to their offense. I think Kenny can provide that to them in a way that some of the other quarterbacks that they've run with in in recent years just weren't physically capable of doing.
0: Well, and I, I again a team that likes to throw the football to running backs, they've typically been a good screen team. Michael Thomas is coming back. I do think that they need to find more at wide receiver, but there's enough here and I think I think the Saints view themselves as a team that doesn't have to strip everything down despite what they've been through from a cap perspective and you know losing some foundational pieces of that roster over the last couple of years i think they view themselves at a, as the right type of place to bring in a a quarterback that's pretty close to the ceiling
1: uh i would agree with that and and their their moves would suggest that right with them adding an extra first round pick this year to get two picks in the into that top 20 I think they're messaging their their tone and, and that might not necessarily lend itself to them drafting a quarterback when it's all said and done but it at least gives the mentality that we're not a team that's gonna go back and crawl before we can run again in the way that you saw a team like Detroit do and where they totally stripped it down so I guess that that's if you were looking for a spot for Kenny Pickett, who you perceive to be the most pro-ready of the quarterbacks, that's another layer to that fit that would make sense as well.
0: Now, I think what the Saints do need is let's let's live in a world where they pick Kenny Pickett at 16 or 19. I still think they need a left tackle, and I still think they need a meaningful weapon in the passing game. Well, good news. The New Orleans Saints have picked 19, where I think they can address one of those issues and then they also have pick 49. So if your first three picks are Kenny Pickett, a left tackle and a wide receiver, I think you feel pretty decent about your chances on offense.
1: Right. I I would agree. And um th- that's why they're a fun team for me. So we both left Carolina out. Were there any other teams that you omitted that you were surprised didn't get an acknowledgement amidst this exercise.
0: Yeah, I I do have one, and and it's the Houston Texans. Should we really live in a world where we believe that this team feels like they have their answer and Davis Mills, excuse me, with Jeff Driscoll and Kyle Allen as the backups? Like, can we be honest about the possibility of them taking a quarterback? I know nobody's talking about it, but this is probably... One of the worst five quarterback depth charts in the entire NFL. Are we fully ready to dismiss any possibility that a quarterback can be in play for them?
1: Yes, we are. And it's the same reason why I left Detroit off that list in my mind is I don't think they're ready. I think they have so much foundational work that needs to be laid that I am more than happy to say, you know what, Houston, you got bigger fish to fry just like Detroit. Let's pass this year, and we can come back again next year if we need to. Joe, t- you you tell me if that's fair or unfair to have the stance that – and obviously, you included Detroit in talking about Sam Howell. Yeah. Um. But, but I chose to leave them off just like I'm more than comfortable leaving Houston off in, in that I don't think those teams are ready. You tell me, is that an unfair stance to take?
0: I feel better about Detroit than I do Houston, Waiting? but – well, here's the thing about Houston, man, and like I'm not going to predict them to pick a quarterback. That won't happen. But I thought at least, well, when you look at the need at quarterback across the NFL, Houston needs it, and I fully understand the whole look. They're not ready. They need like tons of pieces before it really makes sense.
1: They also but have a lottery the, ticket right now.
0: But when has the NFL ever actually done that? If they like, if teams like a quarterback and they're in a position to pick them, they do it. You rarely see any. And that's why I go back to this whole case that like, I still think we get three or four first round quarterbacks this year.
1: So you asked, when does the league do that? And I jokingly invoke the name Indianapolis, but I would be curious. Indianapolis is not going to move on a quarterback because a, they don't and B they just brought in Matt Ryan. But if you look at these five, which one of them do you think fits the Colts best just for the sake of discussion real quick?
0: Pickett or Ritter?
1: I would say Ritter. No, oh, another run heavy offense. I think you get the best version of Ritter when you have that. I don't think Pickett cuz a lot of a lot of what makes him fun as a player is is kind of inviting chaos at times, right? Yeah. He became more proficient and stayed more on schedule this year, but that's always kind of been like that's where Kenny popped and i don't I don't see foresee that in indianapolis so i I really think Desmond Ritter is the quarterback of the a f c South
0: well, he just kind of fits the style of of football that they want to play with running yeah. the ball, good defense, you know don't turn it over and I remember when I presented Ritter to the staff, I said, "Look, I think he could come in and give you." what Carson Wentz has given Indianapolis and what Tannehill has given the Titans.
1: Always love when you can invoke the TDN scouting staff meetings, which we have a great time with. We hope you had a great time with us here today on the show. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert, the draft dudes. The NFL draft is right around the the corner. We will be here with you every step of the way, and we hope to talk to you again next time. Thanks for listening.